Who is the most underrated actor of all time? It's Dolph Lundgren. Correct. Why? Well, because of his uh, spiky hair, yep. his ice-cold demeanor, and his big muscles. Absolutely. I must break you. Welcome to I Must Break This Podcast. This is the fan podcast celebrating the cinematic career of action legend Dolph Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to I Must Break This Podcast, the fan podcast that looks at the films of action legend Dolph Lundgren. I'm your host, Sean Malloy, and on today's special interview episode, I had the privilege of speaking with John Lyde, the director of the 2016 prison thriller, Riot. But before we get to today's conversation, I wanted to remind you all to please rate and review the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you go to subscribe. We always appreciate the reviews. Uh, Also, please be sure to check out the Facebook page for the show, I Must Break This Podcast. Here you can stay up to date on all the latest news regarding the show, the career of Mr. Dolph Lundgren, and other news regarding action cinema in general. So please help continue spreading the word of the show by liking, sharing, and being a fan of the page. Uh, Also, please check out the official webpage for the show, imustbreakthispodcast.wordpress.com. Here you can get in contact with me with ideas, suggestions, or thoughts in general. So with that out of the way, now on to today's episode. Now, clearly, things are uh, pretty crazy in the world today. Obviously, the coronavirus pandemic has swept the world and has affected millions in their everyday lives. Schools, jobs, and businesses have been affected by the virus, and many are practicing social distancing and self-quarantine to stay safe. Even Hollywood has shut down, closing all theaters, delaying releases, and stopping films that are currently in production. Yet the streaming services are still up and running, and I imagine doing extremely well in the current climate, considering that we are all locked up in our homes. Uh, Netflix obviously being one of these services with tons of content ready to be watched. One of these films available on Netflix is Riot from 2016. In Riot, Dolph Lundgren plays William, a janitor inmate at a tough prison who assists a former cop turned fellow inmate seek his vengeance against the Russian mobster who runs the very prison. Jack Stone. First a cop, then a cop killer. How long do you think you're gonna last in a place like this? You see, this place has a way of taking care of problems all on its own. Gentlemen, my name is Simeon. If you don't know who Jack Stone is, you better keep it that way. You and I, we are at war. When a king leaves his throne, gives his enemies an opportunity to claim it. Good as 
John Lyde, the director of Riot, joins the show and chats with me about his experiences making the film, as well as his work in other independent movie genres. We also discuss shooting and financing films in Utah and what he's currently working on here in the next year. It was an absolute treat speaking with John Lyde, especially considering everything going on in the world of movie making today. The fact that he took the time out of his busy schedule to speak with me really meant a lot. Uh, Lyde is a great guy with tons of films out there spanning genres ranging from hardcore action adventures like Riot to more family-friendly Christmas dramas. So uh, that, that was, it was pretty cool uh, hearing him get to speak his mind on uh, running the gamut of all these different uh, genres. And again, please be sure to check out Riot, which is currently available on Netflix. Uh, lastly, at the end of our conversation will be a sample of the song It's On, which is played at the end of Riot. Interestingly, the song was also written and performed by Matthew Reese, who's the film's lead star and producer. So please stay tuned for that at the end of the episode. In the meantime, here is my conversation with director, writer, editor, and cinematographer John Lyde on I Must Break This Podcast. Uh, well, yeah, like I said, I, I sure appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. I know that uh, it's uh, pretty crazy right now what's, uh, what, what, what's going on. So, um, so, yeah, I imagine you're probably pretty busy considering uh, the current uh, climate right now. It's, it's actually been, it's been pretty normal for the most part. We've, we've lucked out. Besides the kids being out of school, but they've been kept busy so far. It's, it's been good. But I, I, was, I was really fortunate to finish production on the show right before everything kind of stopped working and it was good because because i'm now editing on the on the uh on the project and so i have something to do for several weeks while we waited out well yeah that's what i wanted to ask i was curious if the current um health crisis going on right now with the coronavirus if this has affected anything that you're currently working on or anything you have in pre-production but it sounds like you're at a pretty good spot at the moment huh uh fortunately yes i mean we lucked out because we finished production like right before a bunch of productions shut down a lot of my friends they were all set to go on, on different projects. Some of them even flew out to locations and then they got canceled or, or rescheduled. And I was supposed to go do some cinematography work at the beginning of May in Fiji, but then that's going to be pushed back. So it'll give me time to finish the current project. Well, you know, I mean, just glancing at your at your filmography, I mean, what's what's really cool is, I mean, you are constantly uh, working and you're constantly busy. What What is it that you pretty much, I mean, have between two to four films that you work on a year? Is that right? In, in different capacities, uh, like last year, I, I only did one feature and a couple of shorts, but then I was the cinematographer on uh, about four feature films. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you ever do you ever take the occasional break, or do you just uh, like to keep forging ahead and working? With, with uh, as many kids as I have, I have to work all the time because I'm, okay. <laughs> I'm stuck, stuck in the low-budget realm of movies, and so they pay okay, not great, but I mean enough to be comfortable, and so I have to uh, take as much work as possible. Well, I mean, and that, that's the other thing that I ask you uh, that I think is so cool is, I mean, you've crafted a really nice niche for yourself in the world of um, of independent films, independent cinema. But what, what's amazing is, I mean, you've been able to branch out in a variety of genres. Uh, you've done a little bit of action. You've done fantasy, horror, drama. Um, you've also done uh, some family-friendly films and romantic comedies. Is there a particular genre that you enjoy dabbling in the most, or do you do you just like to enjoy running the gamut of everything it usually depends on my mood because <laughs> it's like it's like the type of films that i watch i mean i love i love action movies 
you know, I'll, I'll go watch John Wick one day and then the next day go and, and watch Little Women. Like those were two of my favorite films last year with John Wick and Little Women. And so it's, it's like the, what I watch is often emulated in what I make as well. And so it's, as far as like family films, there's a good distribution outlet here in Utah that goes to the, the Christian market or like the family market. And so they like these, especially with short films, they like these 25-minute short films that they can sell, which is great because they're the, they're the distributor and they're also, they also finance it and they came up with the script. So they basically say, here's the script, here's the money, and I have to turn in a project. Well, and that, that's the one thing that, uh, that, that I think is uh, pretty wild because, I mean, you know, a lot of directors kind of, you know, when they fall into a certain niche or whatever, they, you, you kind of see them working within that one specific genre. I mean, but if you look at, uh, for example, Riot, uh, which is a film I have a lot of questions about, but if you, really, if you look at Riot, for example, in 2015, you filmed a couple Christmas-themed family dramas alongside a very gritty and violent prison drama. And that's what I think is so cool is there's this uh, violent action film right in the middle between uh, these family-friendly films. I mean, you must really enjoy diversifying yourself, yeah? Uh, it, it, keeps it, it keeps things fresh and, and, and unique. And I think, like, like, Riot was one one of the few films that I got to develop from the very start. And so that was, that was like, with the... Um, the stunt coordinator, we basically said, what can we do action-wise? And then I had, I had talked to uh, and met a distributor on a previous project where I was a stunt coordinator, and I basically asked him, what kind of film do you want? And he told me, and so we crafted it around that. Now, have you always been a, uh, a film buff? Was uh, directing and working in films, has that always been your, your, your calling? I'm afraid so. It's my dad's fault from taking me to movies since I, I can remember. <laughs> and when I was four years old, taking me to Star Trek II and traumatizing me. But I, 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 I've always loved going to movies. Uh, my dad is, was big into uh, movie soundtracks, and he would always show me the behind-the-scenes of films. So a lot of times, like, well, I mean, he took me to, like, Temple of Doom when I was seven, but he'd show me there was, like, a TV special where they showed how they did everything, like the, you know, the putting the hand through the body and pulling out the heart and how like they how they faked the monkey brains and the different things and that always fascinated me from a young age is how you could create something and how through editing and and camera tricks you could you know convince the audience something was real or make them feel a certain way so what was uh i mean you mentioned obviously uh, a temple of doom but what were some of your other uh inspirations growing up especially considering you're a, a jack of all trades in terms of uh these genres were there any other films that really inspired you and spoke to you uh, probably one of my favorites is Willow. Uh, that one I've, I've always enjoyed, the Raiders of the Lost Ark series. Um, but then, like, some of the lesser-known films, like Kroll. Okay. <laughs> I, think, I think, like, a lot of them were just, like, the experience of, or even like, the never-ending story, movies that shaped me when I was younger. Um, my, my kids make fun of me because I'll always say stuff to them, and then, like, we'll be watching a movie from the 80s, and they'll, and they'll realize that's where I got the line from. And so they, they realize I'm not very original. I just, everything I tell them is from 80s movies. Well, I mean, I mean, speaking of 80s movies, but I imagine you had to be a fan of uh, Masters of the Universe as well. And here you are getting to work with uh, He-Man himself in uh, Riot. That had to be pretty cool, right? It, it was. It was uh, an awesome experience, too. Because often his earlier films, like The Punisher, are uh, when he was, what was he, dating Grace Jones when she was in the James Bond film. But watching, and, uh, watching Rocky IV... So watching his stuff was uh, I always I always was a big fan, and the first time I met him was on uh, the project called War Pigs, where the director brought me in as a stunt coordinator. So I was able to meet him and Chuck Liddell 
and the distributor of that film. And that's how we got both of them in, in Riot was from that distributor and from meeting him. So I wasn't going in blind. And they, so they already knew who I was as a war pig as a stunt coordinator. Well, I'm curious, looking at um, the world of independent cinema, I mean, obviously, you are very experienced within this, uh, within this realm. I'm curious, in your opinion, what would you say are some of the biggest uh, struggles in working in the world of uh, independent direct-to-video films? I think the biggest thing is is budget and then making your money back. Uh, I did a lot of work um, in the early 2000s, and so I had met a bunch of different distributors that way, and I worked with a bunch of different um, producers and directors, and I was able to see who made money and who didn't. And I was surprised that a lot of times it didn't matter the quality of the film. It was what the sales pitch was of the project and who the market was for. So as an editor, like some of the projects that I thought were amazing, and like even like with um, CinemaScore, they tested really well, but then there wasn't an audience for them, and so they didn't make money. Whereas other projects who weren't the, weren't the greatest, and they were pretty low budget, but because of the genre and who they were marketed to, they made money. So I learned a lot from watching that, and I think that's the hardest part. Like I'd say it seems like 90% of the independent films don't make their money back, and so the the trickiest part is is as an artist making something that you still feel like you're not selling out that is you know creative for you but at the same time knowing that you have to make money or you're not going to be able to make another one well i mean looking at the film uh looking at the film riot for example i mean i have to say when you watch as many direct-to-video independent films as i do which are a lot um (laughs) you 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 tend to see some of the same uh, tricks and setups that are used and many times I'll be honest, they do look fairly cheap because, let's face it, they are filmed cheaply. But looking at the film Riot, I've got to say, it looks great and so much bigger budget than I imagine it was. So, well done. Thank you. Yeah, the budget, it was uh, it was pretty low. It was, it was definitely under a million. Was it, um, I mean, are you at liberty to say, was it, uh, in fact, a success after it had been released? Um, were, you, were you guys happy with the end results? Uh, yes, very happy. Um, so, the... the, the a financer who who put the money up, he called me um, shortly after it was released, and he said, uh, "Are you sitting down?" I'm like, "Why?" He goes, "Well, the movie's already made money, and I've already, you know, got my plus 15%. So now we're going to divide it 50/50." So he gave me a a, a big check. Oh, very it nice. It worked out perfect because um, I had I had five projects that I was developing at that time that fell through. And so like when in development, I'm not getting paid. So it's just trying to get projects off the ground. And we had for various reasons, they just didn't work out. And so financially I would have been in trouble, but because that check came, I I was good for a little while. So, I mean, what were, what were some of the tricks that you used to make it look bigger budget and bigger scale than it was? Um, A good colorist is is a big thing. And then also music and good sound design. I think those things are often, um, underutilized in independent and low-budget films. But I, I was lucky to uh, – I've been working with the same composer for over 10 years now. And then the the um, sound designer, he – I grew up with him making movies, and he ends up – now he's working at Warner Brothers and does uh, a lot of, of projects for them, a lot of television for them. And so uh, he's, he's awesome, and then he has a, a great um, talent pool to pull from to help with that. And so just by having, you know – them in there and and them willing to work on these projects even though it's much lower than their rate but because they're friends and because it's still fun for them i think that definitely helped 
And then I think that one of the biggest things is we wrote according to what we had access to. So like I, I wrote the three page treatment and then when I hired a writer, I took him to the location that we were going to film at. So he, he was able to write everything around what existed that way. Um, it's, you just, you just save, you save so much time and pain. Like the, the last little project that I did that I was hired to do, the script was really, was really fun, but it wasn't written to specific locations. And because the budget was so low, like so much time, time and effort went to trying to find locations and then trying to make the script work according to what the location was. So that made it really hard. Whereas with Riot, because this location existed, it was a closed down jail um, that was not, not too far away from where we live and we were able to have full access to it. They still had power inside and they let us do whatever we want. And so like our production designer went through and like sprayed coffee on all the walls to make it grimy. But I think having that location um, really helped out with the budget. And then, and the other thing, I mean, it's it's the tricks of because it's a single location, you don't have to have a big transportation department. And then you also, you know, at the end of the day, everyone leaves all the gear, lock it up, and walk away and come back in the morning. You save, you know, an hour in the morning, an hour at night by, you know, filming at the same place. And then costume wise, everyone's wearing the same orange jumpers. <laughs> you just have to wash, you know, every few days, or for some some people, you have to wash every day. So how long of a shoot was it exactly? I mean, because it, it couldn't have been more than a few weeks, I imagine, right? Yeah, it was just a, it was a three-week shoot, and then it was a couple of days of, like, inserts and pickups after the first pass of the edit that we had to get. You know, so looking at Dolph Lundgren, was he attached from the very get-go to the film? Yeah, from the, from the very start. So we, uh, we actually wanted to play a different character, and he didn't want to do that part, and he liked this, the, the part of the janitor. And then he rewrote... <laughs> Um, several parts of it, and we said, "Hey, whatever you want to be in the project, we'll make it work." He wanted to try something different, and he he came in for a few days. He was awesome to work with, and then he was also he was involved in the post production process, which I thought really helped out. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I mean, because you know, in this film, I mean, he plays such a different character than he's ever played before. I mean, he's the simpleton who, as we later find out, has his own hidden agenda. And then it's not until the final third act where he gets to unload as this ultimate badass. So, I mean, that was pretty cool. I mean, if you've been following Dolph Lundgren over the years, as I have, to see him in this particular role, that, that was that was kind of a treat. That was that was pretty unique and cool. It was it was, it was fun to film because he uh, he crafted that character and wanted to try something new out. So he talked about you know I want to try something new out. I think it's a good um, venue to do it in. And then, uh, like, when it, when we finished the first pass of the edit and sent it to him, he had quite a few notes, and he, and he, uh, he suggested rearranging it. So we had, you know, the executive producer and I, we, we went out and met with him, and then we talked about what could be done. And he had an editor go through and rearrange scenes. And uh, it was just a, a different way of telling the story, which I thought worked worked great. And so we went with that. And so it was great to have his input you know, throughout the process, I think it made it a much stronger, much stronger film because of it. Well, I mean, and let, let, let's face it, let's be honest. While Lundgren is in it, he does take on more of a supporting role. This is really uh, Matthew Reese's film, and he's the one who takes uh, center stage in the film. Yeah, Matt and I have uh, known each other. Like, we met we met on a romance movie as I was the cinematographer. And it was his first acting gig. And in one of the scenes, he's, like, doing this kata martial arts form, and he looked really good doing it. And I'm like, wait, you know, martial arts? He goes, yeah, I've dabbled a little bit. Come to find out he was like a gold medalist in the junior Olympics in Taekwondo. I mean, so he's, and then like his mom had a, had a dojo. 
but extremely talented. And I mean, it makes it makes action movies so much easier when the lead actor can do all of his own stunts and all his own fighting. Well, yeah, I mean, there is <laughs> that's the other thing too. I mean, there is some hardcore fighting in Riot. How did you go about in lining up uh, the choreography for all the fight scenes? So it was a, a buddy of mine, Braxton McAllister. Um, it's a group of, of guys here in Utah that are about 10 years younger than me. And so like me and my buddies growing up would make these action films and they were like a city over and 10 years later, they were, you know, making action films. And I went more into behind the camera stuff, whereas they, they kept into stunts. And I met him one day and he's at, like, he came in to help on the crew on another project. And he was like, Hey, I just got back from stunt school. And, and I've heard other people say that, you know, and I see their stuff, like they're not very good, but when I saw what he could do and what his friends could do, I was thoroughly impressed. And so from the very get-go, the stunt coordinator and I talked about, like, what kind of movie could we do where there's no guns, all hand-to-hand combat? And that's where we came up with the concept together of it being in jail. And then from there, I wrote the, the treatment. And then, But then from the start, so in the script, like, the, the fights were not detailed in the script. Here's what the beginning is. Here's what the ending is. And so he basically, he and the stunt team went through and, did pre-visualization on all the fights, and then we were able to show Matt Reese or Daniel Chuck run those fight scenes beforehand on video so they know what they would look like, and then they could adjust it to, to, to their ability. But by, by pre-visualization on the fight, having the guys that are taking the hits in the previs as well just made thing, every, everything smooth. And, and those guys, I was lucky to meet them when I did because that group of stunt guys, this is like one of their first projects. And then from there, like one of them went on and is now the stunt double for Chris Pratt in the Avengers films. The the girl the girl that was in it, um, not Dan, Danielle Chuckran, but she's one of the the three bad girls that has a big fight scene at the end. She's now the stunt double for Black Widow. So they've I, they've all gone on to like awesome. They they um like the the coordinator and then his wife on time in Hollywood at the end and they get lit on fire by Leonardo DiCaprio. So it's cool to you know be able to work with him. When they were still small, but now they're they're working on you know the best the best and biggest action films out there. Well, and I mean you, you already kind of mentioned it, but uh, the film was shot in Utah. Uh, this is where you reside, right? Do you shoot most of your films in Utah? Yeah, I'd say ninety percent, ninety five percent of my stuff I shoot here. Every once in a while, we go somewhere else. Like we went to Ireland for a TV show a little while ago, or last year we went to Fiji for a project. So sometimes it's good to get out, but there's such a great variety, good tax incentive here, and there's a real uh, talent pool of crew and actors here, so it keeps the budget down just to stay here. Well, yeah, I mean, because that's what I was going to say. You you really don't typically hear too much about Utah as being a, a fledging location for movie shoots, but it sounds like you've certainly made it work and have really benefited from it. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I mean, I lucked out when there, there was, like, a bigger boom in, like, the Christian and family market here in the early 2000s, so that's when I did, like, lots and lots of editing. And then um, a group called Aerostorm Entertainment, they started doing projects, like, 2009, 2010, and so I, I got on with them, and we've done, like, six features together, and they went off and did the CW um, show, The Outpost, which I was involved on the first season before they went to Serbia to do the rest of them. Like they're successful, so there's there's like different groups that have been successful and stayed around. So like Aerostorm Entertainment's one. Um, whenever I get able to do a project with Matt Reese, they always seem to work out. And then um, the other company is Candlelight Media Group, who I just did the last project for. But then they they specialize more in like thrillers and then 
TV uh, romance films. So that's when I go out and do the cinematography for them. Well, I mean, you're yeah. a real – I mean, obviously, you're a real jack-of-all-trades in terms of film productions with experience in writing, directing, editing, sound mixing, cinematography. Is there a particular avenue and area that you enjoy best, or do you just enjoy doing uh, a little bit of everything? Um, I think because of my ADD, I like to do a little bit of everything. But I, I really enjoy editing because it's it's just you and the computer. And then it's like all, it's pretty much straightforward, stress-free, you're indoors. I like being the cinematographer on projects when I'm just the, the DP. That's pretty relaxing. Um, it's hard It's hard when I'm doing like, most of the projects that I'm producing. I'm also directing the first AD. I'm doing the editing and, like, backing up the footage at night just because, like, the budgets are low higher enough people so i just got to do all the jobs myself that's those are usually harder when i have to do that well i mean and you do quite a few short films i mean you already mentioned this but i know that short films are a medium that uh many directors like to work on and dabble on early in their career to kind of experiment but i mean you are to this day still constantly churning out dozens of short films on various subjects how does this medium uh differ from doing a full-on uh a full-on, you know, full-length film. Obviously, it's shorter, but uh, but how do you uh, how do you respond? They're al- they're almost exactly the same, except for the shorter factor is so much easier because you're you're prepping, you know, for a two or three day shoot instead of a two to three week shoot, and so like so you can go super hard, work the twenty hours a day for two or three days, and then recover. It's so much easier than trying to go three weeks straight at eighteen hours, twenty hours a day. Because those, you always get sick and tired. <laughs> like emotionally and phys- and like mentally, physically, it's so much easier to do short films. And they're also often you have a little bit more time to get shots. Um, you can be more creative. And sometimes, sometimes like my friends and I will just go out and do shorts for fun because we have we're not being told what needs to be shot. We can just go out and be creative, and we don't have to worry about the finances because we're just going to put it on YouTube or, you know, it's just people volunteering their time and their talents and, and you can get that creative avenue out. Whereas sometimes on, on projects, you know, you're, you, you want to look good, but at the same time you're, you're doing it because this is what you're told to do. Well, I imagine with a short film, I mean, that's a great way to kind of exhibit what you can do, whether you're an actor or uh, a film director or an editor or whatever. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a short way to kind of get, your name out as well as your talent out, right? No, for sure. That I was able to um, get a lot of work from my short films. Like 10 years ago, I did a whole bunch more stuff on, on YouTube, and they were just a bunch of short films for fun. But then when people would come to me for showing that this is what I've done on a short film without any money, so if they, then they give me money so I can do a little bit more for, for their projects. But, but short films are a great way to, to learn and to meet, like, well, a great way to meet actors, um, great way to, to, to try out different, you know, stuntmen and, and different crew. Because if you, if, you, if you don't get along and it doesn't work out in one day, you definitely don't want to be with them on a long project. So what's next for you? Are you at liberty to discuss any of your current or upcoming projects? Yeah, I'm, I'm editing a movie right now called Scarlet. It's a feature film uh, action movie. And it's, it's basically taken but in reverse. Um, it was a project that the, the script was written and brought to me. They asked if I could do it, and they said, "Sure." <laughs> and uh, it's low budget, but like they they, uh, I got a, I had a great crew to work with, and so that really helped out. But it's uh, we did lots of action, and it, it was only a two week shoot. But with the amount of action, I was I was surprised we were able to to get it all all done. 
And it's, it's basically the, the father who's in the CIA who's raised his daughter alone and has taught her, you know, how to shoot a gun, how to how to how to do self defense, how to spot a tail. But the daughter's just wanted to be a normal normal girl and do normal things. And so she's become estranged from her father as he's gotten to college. And then her father ends up being kidnapped and so she has to use all the skills that he taught her that he that she thought were pointless. Now she has to use all those in order to rescue that. Awesome. So you're dipping back into the action well once yes. again. So thank goodness. <laughs> well, cool. This has been an absolute treat. Like I said, I know that you know it's it's kind of weird outside right now, but um, I, I really do appreciate uh, you taking the time to uh, to chat with me today. Um, like I said, I, I I saw Riot when it had come out initially, but I watched it again in preparation um, for our discussion. And uh, you you certainly have a a unique uh, a style that is that is very present on your film. So uh so well done. Oh thank you. That was fun. Like the other day I was up up early with my baby um and he's just two months old and I was like, I'll see what's on Netflix and so I and it said it said uh, riots on there now. I'm like, I haven't watched it for three or four years. I might as well see it. And if I and if I can watch a movie that I made and, and enjoy it, I'm like, okay. I should I should keep trying. I shouldn't quit. <laughs> It was fun to watch. Well, and actually, you know, since you mentioned it, I'm curious, how does that work exactly? I've always kind of wondered that, actually. So the film, you know, your film is showing on Netflix at this moment. Are you, do you see any kind of residuals from it on, um, because it's on Netflix, or does the distributor get to uh, get to take that in? How does that work exactly? Uh, it, it varies on what the deal is. Like, I did, I did, I found out it was on Netflix when I was just scrolling <laughs> through Netflix and I saw it on there. Like no one had told me it was on there. Because we, we basically, the distributor was, was VMI uh, worldwide. And so like, most of the time, like once you hand it over the distrib- to the distributor, depending on, on what producer you are involved in the project, you may never hear from you know the distributor again. But with this one, it worked out to where like they would constantly give me updates on what country it was in. And then they do all the reporting back to, to Matthew Reese, the executive producer. And and so like they you know they usually send out a report about <clears throat> which territory paid and what expenses there were are and we really lucked out with the project by keeping the budget so low that we were able to you know make a, a profit on it and then like with with Netflix it's they usually it depends on like if it was that was from the distributor or because they did sell it to Universal it could have been Universal going to Netflix so it just depends on who went where and who did what sale. Because if it was Universal that took it to Netflix, then Universal gets the money, not the distributor or us. So it, just, okay. it, it varies. Well, you've already gotten to work with uh, with Mr. Dolph Lundgren. Hopefully, uh, maybe uh, Mr. Jean Claude Van Damme will be next. That would be uh, that would be pretty cool. So I I was so close. Oh, were you really? I was so close. Yeah. So the, the same distributor as as Riot was putting together a project with him. And uh, he was like uh, Van Dam was the one that I watched the most growing up, like from from Bloodsport when I was introduced to Bloodsport, I saw all the Van Dam movies, and, and that's the action films that I first started making was me and my buddies would go and, and remake Van Dam movies, like we would do similar fight scenes to what to what he did, and and we were going to do this project in 2017, and uh, like I, I drove out and, and went to his house and we talked about it and things were looking really good, we were going to go film in Canada and like they let me rewrite the script um according to like what I felt the action could work best with Van Damme and like everybody was really excited about it and then some things happened and it just 
it just fell through at the last minute. It was like we were like three weeks away from filming. But you at least you at least got to go into the muscles from Brussels, his house. So I, I mean that that <laughs> that right there is a story in a sense. So oh yeah, because oh, yeah. originally it was supposed to just be a conference call, and like uh, we had tried one before, and like the connection was so bad, and so I'm like, hey, I'll I'll drive out there, <laughs> and so my wife, I, I I called her up and I said, hey, do you want to go to California? And so we basically told my oldest kids they were watching the kids, and we drove out that afternoon all the way there for the for the meeting. So, are you liberty? So, I'm, I'm curious. Are you liberty to talk about the project? Like what uh what we could have seen possibly? Um, it, it's uh, so a different actor ended up playing the part, and then a different dis- distributor and producers ended up doing it, and they and they went back to the original script, and I'm not even sure what they ended up calling it. But I saw the preview for it. I'm like, wait, I recognize this plot. <laughs> well, th- this has been an absolute treat. Uh, thank you again for uh, taking the time to, to speak with me. I, I do appreciate it. And I wish you nothing but the best, not just with, with you know, the, the film that you're currently editing, but with your family and, uh, and everything going on. Well, thank you. Thank you. You too. It's carefully planned For me to meet you Hand in hand The time has come The stage is set What's about to happen You will never forget You can't hide The devil's gonna take you It's my town, I'm